Good morning, River Life family. I have a question for you. How many of you keep a journal or a diary? I do, and I've been uh, writing in a journal since I was about the age of 11. Now, every now and then when I want to have a good laugh at myself, I'll read some of those old entries from when I was that awkward preteen and teenager. But at some point, it becomes not very funny because I have the realization that those things that I thought and felt back then, I still feel as an adult. How can that be? I have been a follower of Jesus Christ pretty much all my life. And yet, there are still areas in my thinking, feeling, and relating that are wrong, hurtful, and even downright evil. How can I be a new creation in Christ as the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians and in Ephesians? Uh, how can I be a new creation and yet still hang on to these old sin habits? My guess is that as you look at your own life and you see the pains, fears, and defeat that is there, that you have the same question as well. I am very excited for this series that we're kicking off today on soul care, because in this series we are going to look at and learn how our thoughts, our emotions, and our motives can catch up to and align with our spiritual reality of holiness and newness in Christ Jesus. Let's start with what is soul care. Well, first, the soul is the essence of who you are as a person, and it includes your thoughts, your emotions, your desires, longings, and your will. Your soul is who you are and denotes your life as a whole. Now, Rob Reamer, the author of Soul Care, Seven Transformational Principles for a Healthy Soul, which is the basis of this series, um, he explains that even though you were born again and made new spiritually, your soul can have hurts and bitterness, it can still have sin and demonic strongholds, your soul can have fears and faulty beliefs about who you are, and your soul can still feel condemnation and shame. So soul care then is dealing with the issues of your heart and mind and receiving healing, victory, and freedom through Jesus Christ. It can be viewed as discipleship, spiritual formation, uh, or life transformation. But soul care starts with gaining insight into the things that you do and understanding why you do them. That is what we would call self-awareness. And Reamer says that self-awareness is very important. Uh, he says, self-awareness is a gateway to life change. It doesn't guarantee it, but you can't get there without it. So it is very important, but you can't gain self-awareness by yourself. Even if you get over the denial you still have blind spots and limitations. And even with the help of friends or a therapist, you can only get so far because they too have limitations in their knowledge. Reamer says that one of the first things we need to do is to understand what he calls Theology 101. God is smart. 
He knows stuff we don't know, and he likes to tell us. Basically, God wants to, and he will, shine his light into the dark areas of our mind and our, our hearts and reveal the truth about you to you. Now, healing begins when you can stand in the light with God and admit the truth. As we read earlier in Psalm 139, King David declared that God knows everything about him, including what he says before he even opens his mouth. David also understood that there's absolutely no hiding from God because God's spirit is everywhere and God's spirit sees everything. Now embracing that fact that God knows him completely, David ends the psalm by giving God this invitation. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now we have been using the metaphor of a house to understand what it looks like for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you allow the Holy Spirit access uh, to control every room of your house, that is what filling, being filled by the Holy Spirit is. However, part of soul care is that when you bring the Holy Spirit into each room, He sees that it is cluttered with bulky furniture, useless junk, and sometimes even harmful garbage. And before he can fill that room with himself, he has to get rid of those things. He has to clean house. So self-awareness is our acknowledgement of the junk and garbage that we have stored in our rooms. And it is understanding why we have kept them there. Now it might be easy for you to see and identify your behaviors. But most of the time, it is really hard for you to uh, understand or even see the deep motivations behind them. For transformation to occur, you and I must allow the Holy Spirit to shine the light of truth into the deepest recesses of our hearts to reveal what David calls those hidden offensive ways. And what does that look like? Let me use my own experience to illustrate. So I've had a lifelong struggle with body image and the desire to be physically attractive. My journal entries as a teenager were filled with uh, self-rejection and questioning God about why he made me the way I am. Into my adulthood, I still struggled to be content with my body, and I didn't hide this discontentment from God. But one day, in my quiet time with Him, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and He asked me this, would having the body that you desire allow you to worship God better? Then He said, you want to be beautiful because you want to walk into a room and have everyone turn and look at you with admiration. You are willing to have men lust after you and fall into sin just so you can feel better about yourself. 
Wow, that was pretty harsh. And I was embarrassed to admit that what the Holy Spirit was bringing into the light was the truth that was hidden in my heart. But he didn't stop there. He had deeper truth to, to reveal to me that I had not understood about my longing to be physically beautiful. He said, you want to take God's throne in men's hearts when you want to be glorified by them. You want to take God's throne. Rod Reamer writes that most life change occurs alone with God. And my personal experience all these years would support his claim. I agree with uh, Reamer when he says, I can trace all of the life change I have experienced back to the presence and power of God being manifest. God spoke to me, God revealed himself to me, God encountered me, God filled me. It was these God moments that produced transformation. As I was sharing about my encounter with the Holy Spirit just now, questions might have been running through your mind, like, how is that possible? And what does the Holy Spirit's voice sound like? How did you know it was the Holy Spirit? Can I also hear the Holy Spirit? Well, rather than explaining those things to you, I want you to experience it for yourself. We're going to do a spiritual exercise here to help you strengthen your listening and hearing the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, will teach you all things. I am asking and believing that God will reveal truth to you right here, right now. So as you wait expectantly in this exercise, as you wait for God to speak, um, you might receive an image or a picture. You might see a word or even a phrase. You might get a sensation or a feeling, an emotion. You might have a deep sense of knowing. You might even hear an inaudible voice or you might hear an audible voice. And as with any spiritual exercise that we do, you might not get anything out of it immediately, but just doing the exercise will be beneficial in training you. So please stand up where you are if you are able to and close your eyes. As you close your eyes, just give an invitation to God. Say quietly in your head or out loud, search me, O God, and know my heart. And then wait expectantly for God to speak.
you may sit down. I encourage you to share with someone today about what you experienced during uh, this spiritual exercise. So again, self-awareness itself is not enough to bring you real life change. It's the beginning. We have to also then surrender to God and let him lead us in the way everlasting. Soul care starts with having a relationship with God. It expands as you are healed and transformed in God's presence. And it ends with having a deep, authentic, intimate relationship with God and with other people. Soul care is an ongoing process as we continue to grow and mature. It's not a haphazard or unexplainable process. There are some basic spiritual truths and realities that guide soul care. Rod Reamer identifies seven principles that will lead to healing transformation and freedom. Uh, these are the seven that are in his book. One, knowing and holding onto your identity in Christ. Second, confession and repentance. Third, breaking family sin patterns. Fourth, forgiving others. Fifth, processing wounds and healing hurts. Sixth, overcoming fears. And finally, breaking demonic strongholds. In this series, we will cover four of the seven principles, identity, confession, fears, and demonic strongholds. Today, we're going to briefly cover holding onto your identity in Christ. Now, here's what Reamer writes about identity. He says, what you believe about yourself is the foundation of your life. It is your identity. And a faulty foundation will create cracks in, in the soul. If you are going to construct a healthy life, it begins with what you believe about yourself. And Reamer provides this illuminating explanation. He says that whatever you agree with, you give power to in your life. If you agree with the truth, the truth will set you free. If you agree with lies, lies will enslave you. So let's start with, what is the truth about your identity? Your identity is this. You are God's beloved child. Going back to Psalm 139, these are the things that David declared about himself, his identity. He says, for you, God, uh, created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Uh, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. David says that God's eyes saw him while he was in his mother's womb. And then he says this, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. God created you, and you are one of his wonderful works. Before you were born, he knew everything about you and the life you would live. He is crazy about you, and he thinks about you all the time. 
and he is always with you. That is your identity. And the proof of God's love for you is that he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you so that you could be forgiven of all your sins, you could be healed and made whole, and you could live in eternity with God. You did not earn God's love. He freely gives it to you. The issue of your value is settled at the cross. God says you are worthy of the blood of Jesus. This is how 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19 puts it. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Only when you stand on the true foundation of God's love can you feel peace no matter what circumstances surround you. So if you look at yourself, your bank account, your job, your family, your health, the challenges you face in life, what do you say to yourself about yourself? Your self-talk reveals what's really in your heart. Now, all of us live in this world that has been ravaged by sin and brokenness, and we face lies about our identity all the time. We are bombarded with these lies from society, from our culture, our family, even ourselves and most definitely, most definitely from our enemy, Satan, and his demons. Now, there are three big lies that can drown out the truth of your identity. When we believe these lies, our foundations are shaky and we are fraught with fear and anxiety. So we're going to briefly look at these three. The first big lie is the performance lie. This says that my value is in my performance. I am valued, loved, acceptable if I do certain things and if I do them well. But if I don't perform well or if I don't do these things, then I will be judged, condemned, shamed, and rejected. Ask yourself, do you take on many tasks and, and as many roles as possible? Do you fixate on the one criticism and ignore the 10 other positive feedback that was given to you? Do you feel discouraged and even depressed after a bad performance or some criticism? You could be believing the performance lie, which says that your value lies in your performance. The second big lie is the people-pleasing lie. This says that my value depends on what other people think of me. If I serve, if I help others, if I care for them, if I maintain harmony and keep people happy, then they will love me. So do you obsess about how others will react to your words or your actions? Are you self-conscious and focused on your image? Do you feel anxious when someone is upset with you? Do you feel resentful and taken advantage of? you might be experiencing the lie that says you must please people. 
The third big lie is the control lie. This says that my value depends on my control of other people or of the outcomes. If I can produce desired results or control the outcome, then I am valuable. If I can get people to do what I want, then I am secure. So, do you get frustrated when things don't turn out the way that you planned? Do you try to get people to do things your way and then run over them when they don't? Do you feel anxious and out of control when things get a little bit chaotic? Perhaps then you could be believing the control lie. So what do you do if the foundation of your soul is built on a lie or on several of these lies? Let's look at three steps that you can take. First, you need to identify the lie and its manifestation or how it shows up in your life. In this stage, you need to look at um, questions like, what are my thoughts? What is running through my head? What is my self-talk when I'm standing on this shaky foundation? What am I feeling physically and emotionally? And then how do I act? What are the behaviors that come when I believe this lie? The second step is for you to hold on to the truth. It's not enough to just know the truth that God loves you. In John 8, verse 31 through 32, this is what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So you have to know and hold on to the truth. Basically, every time that I'm about to act in a way that is in that is consistent with that lie that I'm believing. That is the very moment that I have to hold on to the truth that I am a loved child of God. And if you are unsure about the truth, then you need to commit to finding out what the truth is. You do this by reading God's word. You do this by inviting and allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to you. The third step, once you hold on to the truth, is that you have to actually act on it in courage. This is where you ask yourself, how would a deeply loved person act right now? And then you do that thing. So, my dear brothers and sisters, we need to know our identity, and we need to hold on to it. You are God's beloved child, the issue of your value is settled at the cross. God says you are worthy of the blood of Jesus. Now, part of soul care is being in an authentic community so that you don't live with secrets or shame. So we're going to do another spiritual exercise here. And we're going to practice authentic community. So I'd like you to, to turn to uh, two people around you so that you form groups of three, what we call a triad. If you absolutely must, then you can be a group of four, but we really want three. Now, I'm going to give you 
um, some time to discuss in your triad. And I want you to practice self-awareness in this community. And I also want you to practice confidentiality. So whatever your group members share with you, keep that confidential. Now, those of you who are watching live online, this will be the time for you to join our Zoom meeting uh, to form your triad uh, group reflections. So in your triad group of reflections, each of you will take turns answering uh, the first two questions or the third question. Which is one of the three big lies that impacts you, uh, your life the most? Is it the performance, the people-pleasing, or the control lie? Secondly, what do you think and feel when you are standing on this faulty foundation of the lie? And then what do you do or how do you behave? Now, some of you may want to actually take this time to share about your experience that you had during the listening and hearing uh, exercise that we did earlier. So go ahead and go into your triads. 